Don't look now. So, welcome to Don't Look Now with your host, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman. And Half Pint the Cat is meowing in the background over here. You might hear her from time to time. But uh, we're here to bring you another glorious topic this week. And uh, I'll turn it over to Jenny to let us know what we're talking about. I'm going to pull out of the darkness and get into something a little bit more... Crazy. Humorous. All right. Sounds good. Not super humorous. Not super humorous, but not Mm -hmm. child... Death and kidnappings? Is that? Right. All right. Okay. Right. All right. Somewhere in between. Yes. Definitely somewhere <laughs> in between. So, after World War II, an MI5 spy named Jean Pujol Garcia faked his own death. Juan? Juan Pujol Garcia fakes his own death and then keeps it a secret for four decades. Nice. That's not the thing that's interesting. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, he's a veteran of the Spanish Civil War, and he became to... He came to loathe totalitarianism. Mm -hmm. Why do I pick all the hard words to say? I write this. I know better. (sighs) Got to dumb down the language, man. No, he didn't like totalitarian government. So he didn't like Francisco Franco or Hitler. Hitler or Mussolini or now Mussolini's grandson who's, you know, running for Italian parliament. Did not like these people. So when Britain went to war with Germany in 1939, he was like, I'm going to join the British war effort. I'm going to be a spy against the Germans. And he was so determined that when he went to the British and told them his plan, they were like, no. And he's like, no, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, we don't know you. Go away. (laughs) So he just decided to do it on his own. (laughs) So he poses as a Spanish official flying to London, and he makes contact with Nazi officials in Madrid and tells them, hey, um, I'm interested in spying on Britain for you. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, sure. Sounds we, good. We would love that. So he starts sending the Nazis these fabricated, like, lies. Fabricated, this made yeah. of bullshit, basically. Yeah. Um, and they were like, oh, this is from London. This is bad. He's really good. So he became a rogue double agent that Britain doesn't even know about. <laughs> so he starts sending all these false reports, but he uses enough factual information mm-hmm. to make it seem really legit. Um, there's actually a book coming out about this, and I, it, I want to read it. Yeah, this. yeah, I've heard not a lot of detail about this guy, but just, just enough. enough. Yeah. So he's gathering all these facts from encyclopedias, from advertisements and placards he sees in the street. He's a complete amateur, but he builds up this portfolio to the point where the British are like, um, there's this guy. We, we need him to spy for us. And he's like, don't worry, I'm already doing it. <laughs> I, he still makes mistakes and they're just like, uh, you know, one time he told the Germans that on a visit to Glasgow, he found men who would do anything for a little bit of wine and the Nazis didn't, but the Nazis didn't catch that he messed up. And instead of saying beer or whiskey, he yeah. says wine. Yeah. Because during that time, Scotland's wine was undrinkable. <laughs> but he didn't, they didn't yeah. catch on to it even. Uh-huh. So in 1942, the British are like, I don't 
know about this guy. Uh, so he goes to them and he's like, hey, I'm already doing the work. You want to pay yeah. me? Uh-huh. I, mm, I mean, he's like, I kind of already am doing the work. Yeah. So maybe you should just do this. And they were like, oh, you're that guy. You're the yeah. guy that's been doing all the. Yeah. Oh, um, interesting. So maybe come to London and work for us. because That would be good because yeah. you're actually doing really good work. We're really excited about that. So the Nazis still think that he is like this really important spy for them. Mm-hmm. And they never discover that he's a double agent. Ever. Yeah. Even though 90% of the information is just not great. Yeah. I mean, didn't he win medals or something? Yeah. From, yeah. Okay. Lots yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So the Germans were like, no one could fake this much information. This meant this way. <laughs> um, <laughs> no one could bullshit this much. That's a, yeah. Right. And he's telling the Germans he's recruited 27 spies um, and that he's giving them all this information. And they were like, you know, we would have cut him off, but we just didn't want to lose a whole network because he had created a whole network of spies. So the most famous deception that he had was that he tells the Nazis about the planned invasion of Normandy and that it is fake. Yeah. Fake invasion. <laughs> of course, that's not super true. Yeah. But because they were like, it's fake. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah. They weren't prepared for D-Day when it happened. And that was one of the reasons why the Allies were so successful. So after the European War ended in 1945, Pujol continues to work with MI5 to investigate whether Germany has any plans to resurrect sort of a Fourth Reich. Um, and after that, he's like, I kind of want to get out of here. I'm, I'm done. So he moves to Venezuela. But... Um, a lot of former Nazis had chosen Yeah, I was going to say, that's not a good place to go. Right. So, it was like, it's going to be safer here for me if people just think I'm dead. So, he calls his handler from MI5 and says, tell everyone that I uh, died of malaria in Angola. Peace out. Mm-hmm. I'm done with you, bro. So, his handler does, and he starts to tell everybody he's dead. And the British ambassadors officially tell Spain that he's dead. And the news reaches his first wife and children in Spain. <laughs> what a dick. He <laughs> left his wife and kids to do all this shit. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile in Venezuela, he grows a beard and starts wearing a very distinctive pair of glasses. Like, I don't know, Elton John style. There you go. Right? So the secret is kept from 1948 until the 1980s. Thanks. When a British writer who's looking into this guy's life is like, some things aren't really adding up. I think that I can find him. <laughs> I think that he's still alive. So he goes and he looks, and there he is. He finds him. <laughs> and the guy's like, he didn't even have to fake his death this long. Yeah. Like, he probably would have been fine in the 1960s to have revealed who he was. Mm-hmm. He just didn't want to tell people that he wasn't successful where he is now. That's why he's in hiding. And he kind of really enjoyed assuming different personas and running around being a spy. Yeah, and his wife and kids to avoid, you know. I mean, he didn't want to pay that child support. But I I just thought this was really interesting. So 
basically a lot of agents are trapped into becoming double agents. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of the few people who did this because this was his That's ideal. What he wanted to do. Yeah, this is what he really believed in. Um, and he turned out to be a really good improvis- improvisational actor mm-hmm. that they didn't really expect him to be. And he kind of did the thing on his own, but got the reward for it too. Cause he got medals from both sides yeah, for yeah. his valiant efforts in the war effort. It's <laughs> insane. That's awesome. All right. Let's go down the rabbit hole. All right. During the cold war, CIA agents used their shoelaces to communicate things. Oh yeah. Several patterns had different messages. One pattern meant follow me. One means I have information and one means I have another person with me. <laughs> I need to learn this nice. code language. Hey, I got to I got to see cool stuff. I went to the Spy Museum in yes, Washington D.C., which was awesome. I've never been. It, it, it's it's fun. I mean, they, there's a bunch of really cool actual spy stuff, and right. then it's it's about half actual spy stuff, half like James Bond's movie props and stuff. Right. But the actual spy stuff's fascinating, and uh, you know. Did you buy a bunch of spy stuff in the store? I, I wanted to, but I I, I managed to. Keep myself from buying mini cameras and general spy I crap. I would not so have been able to keep myself from managed, buying a mini camera. To, you know, managed to not buy my my spy paraphernalia, but uh, but yeah, they you know had everything from you know the fake pack of cigarettes that's a camera to you know the you know the glasses that are a camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, you know general message thing to shove up your rectum and hide somewhere. Yeah, that was, that oh, was, that was almost going to be one yeah, of my things. Yeah, that was, that was, that was one of the things there. You're like, you're like, I hope they washed that. But, oh, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting things there. They have some stuff about the various, some of the U S spies and Soviet agents and things. So cool. Check it out in DC. Have you ever seen the movie, um, the spy who knew too little with Bill Murray? No, I have not. Um, I watched it this weekend because it's And I don't think my dad had ever seen it before. So he comes in and he's like, oh, is this a new Bill Murray movie? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because it's Soviet era drama. Uh-huh. And like so much stuff going on with the Soviet Union right now. It's so funny because they're trying to um, restart the Cold War. Yeah. And the base premise of the movie is that he, Bill Murray's character has gone to London to visit his brother, but his brother's too busy for him. So his brother signs him up for this theater experience. <laughs> and so he's just kind of like, it's a live theater yeah. where you're part of the action. Thinks he's playing dinner theater so type he thing. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. playing dinner theater and gets yeah. into all these shenanigans. And yeah. it is fantastic. Nice. <laughs> it's really good. Anyway. Cool. Um, so back on track. Yep. Uh, Ancient Roman spies used to use urine as invisible ink to write secrets between the lines of their official documents. This is where we get the same read between the lines. Ah, uh, the P lines. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the message would appear when it was heated uh, up. Oh, yummy. It's so gross, right? Yep. Um, have you ever heard of Lenovo computers? Yes. I have visited Lenovo in China. <laughs> Lenovo computers are partially owned by the Chinese government. Yes, they are. <laughs> and their computers come preloaded with secret backdoor access. No way. Yeah. Chinese wouldn't do that to us. <laughs> and as a result, MI6, CIA, Mossad, you name it, yeah. secret agencies are like, no, you're not allowed to have <laughs> <laughs> And finally, because I do love the 60s, the CIA tried using cats as spies. Oh, nice. And you love cats. Good luck with that. I know. They spent 
five years and $20 million trying to train cats as spies. Yeah. I, I have a guess as to how well that worked. <laughs> I mean, I guess. About I could, as well as the whale. Yeah. That yeah. The people are using as spies. Right yeah. Now. I mean, I could, I could see a cat intentionally being a double agent though. I could too. They're yeah. just evil enough that yeah, that would be yeah, fine. Yeah. Yeah. They should have gone that route. Cat yeah. probably would have volunteered. Probably. Cats probably already are double yeah, agent. Yeah. 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 Who knows who half pints reporting to. Anyhow, that's our spy episode. I hope you enjoy it. Very cool. Nice stuff, Jane. This is essentially the origin of the garden gnome. The garden gnome. Nice. So, before the days of a ceramic garden gnome, an actual human being played the role of a stern, robe-wearing guardian of flora and fauna. And preferably, he is a grisly old man who does not mind living in seclusion and foregoing basic personal hygiene. (laughs) Oh, man. This is straight out of Phineas and Ferb with (laughs) Doofenshmirtz and his origin story and, uh, oh, whatever strange country he supposedly came from i can't remember anymore well, anyway I anyway remember. there's a pennies and firm dvd stuck in my car <laughs> <laughs> all right nice so garden gnomes were called ornamental hermits ah. um which uh, just a backside story on a lot of properties in england scotland europe there are what are called hermitages which mm-hmm. are the most basic building you have ever seen in your entire life. And that's where these people lived. Sometimes they were caves, sometimes they were nothing. And it was a status symbol to have these garden gnomes. So when we were in Scotland last time, um, I was excited because we were going to go on a hike to a hermitage. And I'm like, oh, cool, that sounds lovely. And the explanation I was kind of, that I understood from what we were going to do was that a hermitage was this religious place where, like, monks went that is not what's happening here so i just want to make this really clear um but it was a beautiful location and it was lovely uh there's two trends during this time period there's like i said this ornamental hermitage and one of the things that's really important is all this material wealth solitude and you know just can i be over the top with my money Mm-hmm. What is the craziest fucking thing I could come up with today? <laughs> this is what it is. So um, we talked in a previous episode about gardens and how during the early 1800s, having a lawn was like only wealthy people had that because you only yeah, yeah. have a lawn because you're not using it to grow food, yeah. which means that you have to be so filthy rich that you don't need that space for the land. Yeah, right. So they started building these beautiful ornate gardens on their property and it would reflect your riches. So the more crap that you have out there, the beautiful, Mm -hmm. wealthier you must be. And there's all this like melancholy associated with it because it's Victorian era England and um, the elite circles were like, this is really introspective. This sign of sadness is a mark of intelligence, (laughs) right? Clearly. I mean... To be fair, most of the smart people I know are sad. Yeah, um, well, you know, it, it, it doesn't really pay to, to know all the things that are wrong with the world. You know. Right. Uh, so people thought they were trying to associate this sadness with themselves because it's a status symbol. If I have really sad people around me, I'm really lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to collect sad friends. That's right. 
So wealthy landowners start placing want ads in the newspaper. (laughs) And the ad writers would seek men um, to live in their garden for a span of time. Seven years is like the minimum (laughs) commitment. And you have to devote yourself to silence. You must be forlorn. You need to be a little bit wise. Even though you're silent, I don't know how you prove that. A little mysterious. That would be great if you could pull that off. Um, And one ad during this time period placed by Charles Hamilton, this is his expectations, right? Yeah. He shall be provided with a Bible, optical glasses, a mat for his feet, a hassock for a pillow, an hourglass for a timepiece, water for his beverage, and food from the house. He must wear a camlet robe, and never under any circumstances must he cut his hair, beard, <laughs> or nails. Nice. That's, that's, or stray that's beyond an interesting the limits choice. of Mr. Hamilton's garden grounds. Or exchange one word with the servants. <laughs> that, is, that is insane. All right. That's a great job posting. How yeah, yeah. I don't get these offers. I mean, if they just put those offers up in engineering schools around the country, they oh. would be... They would be flocked. flooded with people wanting to just go be a derelict. But, you know, I mean, I, mean, I get to be myself for seven years and not fed, have to yeah, talk to yeah, anybody. Yeah, this yeah, is I'm fantastic. Yeah. So the more eccentric that uh, people were, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, like, <laughs> some people were like, the more, the more you sequester yourself and yeah. the more solitude you seek, I'm going to pay you more. Nice. Also, if you can last a decade without a bath or new clothing. So, like, part of it was, too, was that, like, not only do you have to be disgustingly dirty, but I want your clothes to rot off your body. Nice. Because that makes me look wealthier. This is the ultimate job of all 10-year-old boys. (laughs) It is. It's like, man, I hit the jackpot. I don't have to take a shower ever again. This is, you know. So, it sounds pretty Pretty baller, actually. Like, yeah, yeah. I can do this. But a lot of people crack. Yeah. Um, they make it a month or two. Yeah. Um, a couple make it a few years. But here's the thing. Um, if you leave before your seven years are up, mm-hmm. you get nothing. Man. Right. Yeah, no, this, this, this seems like a general kind of alternative to, you know, mental institutions. It sounds like you just need to find, you I know. I say all the time, I would like to go live in a freaking cave. This yeah, is me getting yeah. to go live in a freaking cave. I could do this. I could yeah. not shave. There's, I bet I would get some crazy weird yeah, hair, yeah, but I yeah. don't care. It's all good. I'm I'm up for it. I'm going shaggy face these days. So, right? you know, it's, it's all, it's all so, good. Most of these people live a really straightforward life. They live in a small shack or in a cave on the property and offer themselves to guests as a silent physical symbol of solitude and the nearness of death. <laughs> Oh, God. This is what happens when people have too damn much money and too much time. (laughs) So not interacting with guests is your key job function. Don't talk to anybody. Really? But if you could, it would be great if you did some light agricultural work. Um, Also, if you bartend for me, that would be really nice. (laughs) But don't talk to anybody. (laughs) The status symbol of having your, your... Particularly creepy old man that can show up and, you know, 
tend to your drinks and then just be seen from time to time wandering the moors you know it's a fantastic robe that is see-through and (laughs) just things hanging out is all i can picture god so um most of the time they're just being there justified getting paid Mm -hmm. um but they would have um shown off the uh ornamental garden hermit to Mm -hmm. everyone (laughs) So they could get praise for how well, yeah. kind and generous and good mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, all that bullshit. <laughs> and those that couldn't afford to actually employ the hermit, they would set up a hermitage mm-hmm. to imply that one's coming, yeah. one's just left. Yeah, you know, just, we'll, we'll get a hermit soon. It's, right. Yeah. Just having it on the property meant you were super high up in the status life. <laughs> Oh, God, this is just so Victorian Britain that it's just the best. Right, this is just prior to the Industrial Revolution. Because as soon as the Industrial Revolution happens, people are like, you know, I think that maybe this is a little weird. (laughs) A little bit excessive. And treating people as an ornament may be a little mean. No. Right? So they switched... um, from a live person to a, the ceramic Yeah, hermits. but now, now you know, introverts are without jobs. I mean, this is sad. So, I did find that if you dig around on the internet enough is what this book says. Ouch. All right. We'll go back. Try not to, you know. Are you okay with me? Oh, I'm okay. Just, you know, just hitting things with my knee. It's okay. So, as anything obscure, if you dig around on the internet long enough, you can usually find someone who's trying to bring back a trend. Yeah. Summer of 2014, an advertisement appears on Craigslist. <laughs> gentle lady seeks ornamental hermit. Me, a gentlewoman, of good birth and in the bloom of youth, possessed of vast estates and holdings, including a neat natural cave under a waterfall, in the midst of my Edenic gardens, ideal for hermit life, of refined sensibilities and a melancholy disposition. You, an ornamental hermit, not younger than 30, not yet older than 50, possessing a great grizzled beard, true lover of solitude, unafflicted by social diseases. The successful candidate shall be provided with books, water, spectacles, a cape, an hourglass, and food from the house. Terms of the agreement include seven years of service in which you shall not cut your hair or beard, trim your nails, bathe, leave the premises, accept money, <laughs> Duties shall include reminding all passerbys of our shared morality, living most simply as our forefathers did, and providing the lady of the house with such entertainment as she requires, serving an occasional bartender at fets and balls, and etching of our last hermitage is provided for your reference. Your response is kindly requested. Nice. This this being on Craigslist just sounds like somebody's elaborate role play, but, you know... I- it, does, it definitely does. Her but husband's going to run Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's all good. It's just part of their own thing. But but that's hilarious. <laughs> Especially that no social diseases. We know where this is going. So, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go down the rabbit hole. Um. So just some random information. Garden gnomes are banned from the Royal Horticulture Society Chelsea Flower Show. Okay. <laughs> Don't bring them. There are three categories of mass-produced gnomes. A worker gnome who always carries tools like fishing rods, shovels, or hammers. At-ease gnomes who traditionally carry a pipe. And cultural gnomes who have a musical instrument in hand. Nice. 
So what about Nomeo and Juliet? Where do they, they fall into this? <laughs> uh, male gnomes always wear red caps. Not true. <laughs> the world's oldest garden gnome called Lampy has been living at Lamport Hall in the UK for 125 years and is worth 2 million pounds. Nice. Yep, that's uh, all. Gnomes. Gnomes, nice. Yeah. Uh, I think my... Trying to think of gnomes in pop culture, and there's good work. You know, all David the, the gnome, all the all the. I'm David and the gnome, Nam- light, night light. Yeah, uh, forgotten about David the gnome. That's my the good old cartoon days. Yeah, I know. Back when cartoons had strength. Yes, I remember sitting around over the summer with David the gnome on and the Lost Cities of Gold on Nickelodeon and some other stuff. That uh, you know, ah, yes. oh, good times. I guess my mind immediately went to uh, Amelie and uh, her dad's oh, gnome yeah, that she that. she sends off around the world. That's that's a classic. So, so a little fun story here. Um, I had a job that I worked for a trucking company, and I had a boss that I wanted to torment. Mm-hmm. So we got a lawn gnome for his desk, and then I pulled pranks with the lawn gnome for like six months straight, um, like. The gnome would be put in compromising positions. Mm-hmm. He would have accessories added. We gave him a girlfriend. Yeah. He flew one time. One time I made clothing so that we could put it on top of his because it was a KU gnome and we made him a K-State gnome. Mm-hmm. One time I kidnapped him for a vacation, but truly I had a doppelganger <laughs> that traveled with me. Nice. And the doppelganger got arrested and is now sitting on the chief of police's desk in Riceville Beach. <laughs> my cousin. Nice. He didn't really get arrested. <laughs> but he had a website, he mm-hmm. had a Facebook page, and we would send these little messages to my boss. And he thought that this was my coworkers. Okay. And he was like, oh my God, everybody's just so freaking weird. Who would do this? Like, <laughs> right when I was getting ready to quit, it somehow got released yeah. to him that yeah. it was me putting yeah. all these pranks on him for the last like six months. And he mm-hmm. was like, so hurt. You know that face when he was like, you did this? You did this to me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah, he goes, you, I didn't expect this from you. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I I have a lawn gnome that I travel with nice. everywhere. <laughs> so I identify with Amelie. I'm pretty sure I stole that from her. Nice. Yeah, no, that's a, I, I love that movie. Anyway. I do too. It's a great movie. It's a great one. That was actually, when we went to Paris, that was probably, sadly, probably the most excited I was when we, we went to the, uh, the Du Moulin Aww. And uh, you know, ate at the ate at the diner there, and oh, it was it was the same diner with the bathroom and everything. foam. Yeah, yeah, it was everything was there. It was cool. That is cool. That was that was pretty awesome. I guess I, I just assumed that was a set. I, I did too. I didn't even know it, it it existed at all until like we were in town, and I was just looking up at Montmartre, and all of a sudden I saw on the map like, oh, there's the Du Moulin. I'm like, yeah, like well, we're well, going we're going there. there. Yeah, we went in, got some creme brulee. It was it was good stuff. Classic. Yeah. Do you want your own, like, ornamental lawn ornament? I, I think I will pass on the ornamental lawn ornament. I might I might hire a general, you know, scuzzy random dude to hang out in my garden, I guess. you know. Just... I think it's your kids would really benefit from it. <laughs> God. You have a swing. You're halfway that's there. That's what I'll do. You know, if there's students that can't find a real job, I can just hire them on as ornamental lawn gnomes. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds great to That's me. That's where engineers go if they can't get real jobs. <laughs> be an, intro- be an introvert for hire. Yeah, you know. They would all love that, though. Oh, yeah. That's that's 
sadly true for some. <laughs> I would love it. Oh, yeah, I can't okay. tell you how many times I tell people, I'm like, I'm just going to live in a cave. Yeah, I could I could get behind that at times, for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that that's awesome. I had no idea that was a thing. So, <laughs> which it just it's, it makes me feel better that it was a thing. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's weird, but aren't you glad we know now? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. glorious. Cool deal. All right. Well, that wraps up another episode. Thanks again, Jenny. Um, as you. always, please uh, you know, like us, subscribe, rate us, review us, all that good stuff. Um, catch us on Facebook. Uh, give us any ideas you have for future podcasts or any feedback you got. Um, thank you, as always, to Hollow State Audio for our glorious intro and outro music. Please check them out. They're available on Spotify and other places. And I think that wraps it up. So see you next week. Catch you later. Bye.